0: You have this toolbox of strategies, but it's just like any tool. If you don't know when to use it, it's not very helpful, right? The ripple effect that it is having on her children and her relationship with her husband and her family, it's pretty miraculous.
1: Welcome to the Raising Young Children in Wake County podcast, brought to you by the Project Enlightenment Foundation. I'm your host, Dr. Emily King, former school psychologist, currently a child psychologist, and a former parent of a child in Projects Demonstration Preschool. I also recently served as the board chair and am currently still serving on the Project Enlightenment Foundation as a board member. The goal of this podcast is to expand services to the young children in Wake County through parent education. In this 10-episode podcast series, we will include interviews with experts in early childhood education, psychology, and pediatrics to discuss topics including the importance of play, managing toddler behavior, language and motor development, kindergarten readiness, how to set up routines, and parent mental wellness. Today, we are talking about why parent mental health matters, and we're welcoming Edla Prevett, And I want to tell you first a little bit about Edla. How are you? I'm
0: good. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm good. It's great to be here.
1: So Edla is a licensed clinical mental health counselor and registered play therapist. And for more than 30 years, she has counseled children and adults of all ages and trained and consulted with parents, teachers, and community volunteers. Edla also worked at Project Enlightenment for 20 years as a teacher, parent, consultant, and parent counselor is trained in cognitive behavioral therapy, motivational interviewing, triple P parenting, and EMDR. She enjoys taking research-based philosophies and sharing the information in a pragmatic way with children and adults and believes this enables them to flip their thinking and actions for positive change. Edla lives in Apex with her husband and Mm cat. Her two sons, daughter-in-law and granddaughter, live nearby. We were just talking about your granddaughter. Yes. Yes. Um, And she loves spending time with her family, traveling, reading, and riding her bike. So thank you, Edla, for joining us. Yes. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. So one of the things we Mm -hmm. wanted to be sure to include in this series is parent mental wellness and why that matters when you're raising young children. So. I think one common misconception is that caregivers emotional state doesn't impact an infant because we tend to not be able to remember our first few years of life as humans. But as mental health professionals, we know that the body keeps the score. Yes, (laughs) ma'am. And the body can feel things that the brain cannot recall. So let's talk first about how caregiver stress levels do impact attachment and connection in those early years. Okay, that sounds good. I want to
0: first say that I want to agree with you that it is a very common misconception. And it's like you hear two things. Like people say, oh, they can't remember the stuff that happens their early years. But then in the same breath, you'll hear people say, he's like a little sponge, he takes in everything, or she can always find my glasses, or, you know, things like that. So then I'm thinking, hmm, maybe they do remember more than we think they do. And of course, research supports that we know that they do remember a lot more. So I think we really have to think about if a parent is emotionally unavailable to their child, if they're dysregulated or angry or distracted or tearful or anxious, any of those kinds of things, a child is going to absorb that. Mm -hmm. Now, what the child's response is to a parent's dysregulation could look a variety of ways, sort of depending on their temperament. They might shut down or they might act out because all of a sudden their world doesn't feel safe. When their caregiver is not available for whatever reason, it makes the child feel like their world is not as safe as they thought it was. Mm So when fi- their world doesn't feel safe, what anybody does is go to a sort of fight or flight mode. Right. So they may not specifically remember the specifics of the event, but they'll remember the sort of sense of disconnection. Uh, it's funny you mentioned The Body Keeps a the Score. There's a book mm-hmm. called The Body Keeps the Score. And what, what research has shown us is that even though we might not cognitively remember some things, mm-hmm. our body does remember it. And so it'll show up in a lot of different ways. So absolutely, the kids are picking up on all of that dysregulation from parents.
1: Mm-hmm. Does that Yeah, it, they do. And one of the things as a child psychologist that I'll ask, and sometimes parents think, well, what does this have to do with, you know, <laughs> wanting my child to stop calling me names when right. they're 10, is I'll go back and ask, you know, how did they sleep mm. as a baby? How easily were they soothed? Mm-hmm. And how hard was it to connect with them? because there are parent stressors that come from the environment and create parent stress. but then some children are hard to soothe. Correct. and that causes parent stress. right. So can let's talk a little bit and tell me a little bit more some examples of like that parent interaction and scripts. I'm going <laughs> off script here. I'm thinking <laughs> That's okay, I'm with you. I'm thinking like um, when a parent has trouble, soothing a baby and then their body tenses up. That's this that's a similar sure, sure. situation. I gotcha.
0: Well first of all I would like to throw in there mm-hmm. um one thing that that's not really part of this conversation today, but we could do a whole session on it is about kids' temperament and how parents don't always understand the nuances of their temperament. So you're exactly right. You know, sometimes it's hard for, you know, parents get stressed out because they don't know how to soothe their child. And part of that's because of their child's temperament, right? And so if you can't soothe your child, then that's going to make you stressed out, Mm -hmm. which is going to make you more dysregulated. So is that...
1: That's exactly what I'm talking about. Yes. So when a child is hard to soothe and they may, you know, many of our kids have completely different temperaments sure, than we absolutely, do. Yes. And you feel that even right. in holding an infant. So yes. let's talk about co-regulation because sure. we're, we're getting there with mm-hmm. talking through an adult staying regulated and then a child being regulated. So what is co-regulation?
0: Well, I guess the definition of it is when there's sort of a supportive process between the parent and the child that fosters the child's self-regulation. So If a caring adult is regulated, they will support the child in various ways by sort of downloading their calm to them, Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way to explain it. So it helps the child come become self-regulated. So sort of moving a child from anxious to calm, from angry to settled, that sort of thing. But the trick with that, for co-regulation to work, the parent has or the caregiver has to be regulated themselves. Right.
1: You can't download what you don't have.
0: Correct. Correct. You mentioned um, my granddaughter and it's been fascinating to, um, I worked at Project Enlightenment when my children were really little. They're lucky that I worked at Project Enlightenment <laughs> when my children were a little, really little, because I learned so much there. And now that I have a granddaughter and I was keeping her one day and she was fussy and she couldn't go to sleep. And something I know now that I didn't necessarily know when my children were little was that I had to take my deep breaths, and I even rocked myself to download that to Kennedy, and then she got calmer. Mm -hmm. And I was like,
1: oh, my gosh, this is so cool. It works. It works. (laughs) Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that is a great example of what it looks like for a parent or a caregiver to regulate first in Mm -hmm. a stressful moment. And then it just translate. Our nervous systems are contagious and they just translate to each other. So I love that example. Right. Right. So what about when a parent has reached their limit and maybe regret something they've done and gotten upset and how they've responded to a child? So this would be, you know, when kids are a little older, we talked, um, before in this series about toddler behavior, mm-hmm. which, you know, gets us going for mm-hmm. all, of, all of us parents. We just have a really hard time um, processing what a toddler might be doing and not taking it personally mm-hmm. and handling just that they're having a hard time. So that's a challenge, I think, for all adults of young children. So I think every parent knows that they've felt this way of I've, I've raised my voice or I've used a right. tone I don't like or I've said something and my stress has just been thrown at my child and I'm feeling terrible about it. You know, what's an example of how we can repair that with a young child? Okay. Yeah, no, I've got a lot of ideas
0: about that. Can I backtrack just a second Mm -hmm. though about the co-regulation piece? Because I think it would be helpful if I shared a couple of examples of what a co-regulated situation was and one that's not regulated. And then I think that'll lead us into yeah,
1: absolutely the
0: the regret that parents have mm-hmm. when they fuss it. Mm-hmm. So I always think about being in target. <clears throat> and you know there's <laughs> there's always somebody in target. And and you can see a co-regulated relationship. You know that dollar spot that they have right when you walk in targets, right? So you go in and the kid starts crying, they want something from from the dollar spot. And A co-regulated relationship, what you will see if you catch it, because a lot of times you won't notice this because it's not a big, loud explosion, is the parent will be talking quietly. They will be making eye contact. They will be leaning into the child. They may be rubbing the child's back. And then the child a lot of times turn around and hug them. And then they're able to coach them on their way, right? We don't notice those situations in Target because the parents have sort of brought down that energy with their interaction. But there's two other scenarios that we do recognize in target. The kid wants something from the dollar spot, and the parent's like, no, you're not getting anything from the dollar spot. Quit your whining. Or, you know, they kind of yell, and they're harsh with them, right? What happens? The kid escalates. Yep. Now, all of a sudden, the kid's really pitching a fit, right? Mm-hmm. So that would be an example of where the parent downloaded their dysregulation and created more of a problem for the child. Mm -hmm. So again, the child doesn't feel safe. So it's fight or flight, right? Yep. The other example that you see oftentimes in Target, so to speak, is that the kid wants something from Dollar Spot, but the parent ignores them. Mm -hmm. They just keep pushing their cart. They don't say anything to them. They just keep on going. They ignore them. And what happens kid escalates mm-hmm. because they're not yelling and screaming, but they're not connecting with them either. So it's all this really subtle, all these little nuances of things that we have to think about. Yep. So sometimes we do regret, have regrets of what we do, or sometimes we just don't know, or sometimes we're just mm-hmm. embarrassed and target. We're just embarrassed is probably as much as anything. Right.
1: And we all bring our, you know, whatever has happened to us that day. Oh, absolutely. You know, our nervous systems mm-hmm. are sometimes at capacity and right. um, on one, you know, a rested Saturday morning, we may respond in one way. Absolutely. And on a stressful Wednesday night in a rush, we right. may respond in another way. And, and parents need to know that they're not going to always respond in the same way. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: And that's okay, but yes. that's what's so... um powerful about the repair because Mm -hmm. we get to share with our kids that um, we are human and we respond in different ways at different times and we get to model what our feelings look like right right and model that we want to keep working on it we want to keep working to be the parent that they need us to be in that situation and and to kind of circle
0: back to what Mm -hmm. you were saying about when we do we you know, reach our limits and when we do have regrets, because absolutely that happens. You know, parenting is the most wonderful and rewarding thing that you can do, but boy, it's brutal. Mm-hmm. What's that saying? The um, the years are short and the days are long. Yep. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, that is all true, right? <laughs> and so there are some times that we really just don't do it so great. You know, mm-hmm. we we just, we mess up, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I'm working with parents around this topic that have a lot of regret or guilt around their interactions with their kids, I always talk about, let's think about the emotional deposits that you've made within a day, I compare it to a savings account, mm-hmm. actually. Um, I don't know if you ever met Dorothy Thompson. She was a parent educator at Project Enlightenment years ago. And when I first started working at Project Enlightenment, you know, and you're, you're meeting everybody and kind of learning their styles, Dorothy was notorious for painting a picture for parents. Of things that they could relate to, right? And so I use that a lot. And in this particular case, I'll say to the parents, you know, if you put $5 in your savings account, $10 in your savings account, $100 in your savings account, it adds up pretty quickly. So when your dishwasher breaks, it's a withdrawal, but you've still got enough in there. I said, so let's think about all the emotional deposits that you do for your Mm -hmm. kid, all the hugs, all the loves, all the reflecting their feelings, all of the consistent boundaries and the setting the limits, all of those things are emotional deposits. So you're Mm -hmm. building them up. So when you have a bad day and you yell at them, yeah, it's a withdrawal, but it's not emptying out their sense of safety, loving, and belonging. And parents can get that because they understand about a savings account Mm -hmm. and how that works. So I try to just tell people, give yourself some grace here. Give yourself a little bit of a break. This is hard work. And depending on what your circumstances are and your stress, then – Right. Um, You know, you can have better days or harder days. And and then I think the the part that you made about or the point that you made about modeling, I I thought that was spot on. When we do something that with our kid or say something to our kid that we we don't feel great about, Mm -hmm. we can make amends for that. Yeah. You know, we can apologize for that. We can say, you know, mom was really overwhelmed or mom was really tired or mom was really disappointed I'm a big believer on adults sharing their feelings with kids and increasing their feeling vocabulary, right? right? We don't we, we don't need to stick with happy, sad and mad, Mm-mm. right? We need to increase their feeling vocabulary so they understand all of the other parts. And so not only apologizing and sort of explaining how you were feeling to them, but model going to your safe place. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a little overwhelmed right now, so I just need to go and take a bath. And just relax for a few minutes and then I can come back and we can problem solve, you know, ways to not spill your milk or whatever, you know, it is that they've done. And really you can think of these emotional withdrawals, as you will, as a really rich opportunity to model for your children how to handle mistakes, how to recover from Mm -hmm. mistakes, how to problem solve, you know, your big emotions. So Mm -hmm. here's my...
1: Yeah. I love, I love the bank account analogy. I know some people, you know, think about it as buckets, you know, Mm -hmm, filling up your bucket mm -hmm. of, of positives and your bucket's going to overflow. Right. Um, if it's too full of negatives. And, um, one thing I also think along those lines is talking to kids about just emotional regulation and preventing. So, you know, things that we all know make us feel better. Like, Getting enough sleep and getting right. exercise and drinking enough water, those are things that prepare us as adults for being ready to hold that space of a tantrum and target right. or some really big feelings that we need to download co-regulation for. So I'll encourage parents too, even if you're walking out the door to go for a run and everything's going well, mention why you're going for a run. You know, oh, that's a I've, great example. I've, had, I I've yeah. had a stressful day, but it's helpful for me to go move my body because I always feel better. Or we need mm-hmm. to all be sure we get rest tonight. You yes. Know, making a point to say why we do these things, even if things are going pretty smooth. No, I agree. I talk to parents a
0: lot about that too, about, you know, if you if you have a problem and that needs to be solved, you problem solve it in your head. But like, let's say you're going to make spaghetti and there's no spaghetti noodles, right? Mm-hmm. You just, don't, you don't process it out loud, but if you process it in front of kids, uh, I'm really frustrated that we don't have any spaghetti noodles. What can I do? Hmm. Well, I guess we can have elbow macaroni, right? Yeah. But you you think that, but you don't say it out loud. But if we say those kinds of things Mm -hmm. out loud, what's going on in our head? It teaches children, I have a feeling, I acknowledge the feeling, and then I can start problem solving what I need to do next.
1: Right. And it's, sometimes they'll solve it for us.
0: I, yeah. It's funny how, because they're regulated. It's funny how that right. happens. Sometimes we don't love that. but Sometimes
1: we're not regulated and they are. <laughs> we're like,
0: thanks, but no thanks, right? And so, the bucket analogy yeah. is great. I use that with kids more mm-hmm. than I do with parents just because they understand yeah. the financial stuff. So
1: this leads us to the, you know, we're already talking about it, the importance of taking care of our mm-hmm. own mental health and wellness as grown grownups. So- I always tell parents if they ever ask me, do I need therapy? I heard this therapist one time say, well, did you grow up in a family? (laughs) Like any family, you know? So I've always loved that quote. And, you know, we all grew up in a family with dynamics that shaped us into a combo of our skills, our temperament, and then the things that scared us or the things that motivated us. So All of that comes into causing maybe triggers for our frustration. Something might remind us, especially something in our child that might remind us of ourselves or a sibling of ours that, you know, maybe struggled with things that causes fear in us. So there's a lot that can kind of come into our mind as parents that we haven't thought about since we were kids. Right. So let's talk about some examples of this.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad you asked me this question when you sent me the um, information ahead of time that you wanted to talk about. And I saw this, I was like, yes, (laughs) because I think this is so important. Mm -hmm. It's almost like what I want to pay forward to everyone is that the fact that um, there's all these nuances to the way that we were raised that sort of become dormant when -hmm. we leave our family of origin. And you don't think much about them. But when you start having children and you start parenting, then some of those old scripts, if you will, they wake up. Yep. And so then all of a sudden we're saying things and responding in such a way that is is not really what we want to do. And we don't know where it's coming from because it feels like a disconnect. So when I'm talking to parents, they kind of fall into two camps. They'll either, they kind of tell me, well, my parents did it this way and I turned out all right. Mm-hmm. Or... There's no way I'm parenting like my parents, right? But they don't necessarily know what to do. So I will explain to them that it's, you know, it's not uncommon for our past to impact our present, Mm -hmm. to impact our future. And then I can just go down a rabbit hole over, you know, development across the lifespan and, you know, aging parents, but I won't go there. You just go on and on about generational trauma and how it just perpetuates itself. But parents have a great opportunity to change a trajectory if they'll spend some time looking backwards, mm-hmm. you know, looking into their past. So when I do an intake session with parents about their children,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'll often ask them to tell me about how they were raised. Mm-hmm.
1: I do right. too. Yes,
0: right. I mm-hmm. think most of us do, Yes, right? and that's
1: usually a surprising question for lots of parents. Right. But just be prepared, everybody. I know. <laughs> we want to know what your mindset is right. with parenting and what being parented makes you think of how did sure. it feel right because when you are dysregulated your right. brain is going to go back to that place
0: absolutely because it's muscle memory because the right. body keeps the score right? right so i'll i and a common theme when i ask this question after they get over, like what does this have to do with <laughs> my kid not doing whatever they want them to do a common theme is that they've either had a punitive parent a mm-hmm. critical parent judgmental or a parent that's unpredictable or depressed you know there's lots of different themes that kind of come up. And um, I remember one time a, a woman came to see me about um, her child's behavior. And, you know, I'm having this conversation with her, and she said to me, um, I was she said she described her mother as very unpredictable. And I said, well, tell me more about that, right? Tell me what, is that, what did that look like? And she, would, she said, I never knew who was going to show up, mm-hmm. mean mom or nice mom, reasonable mom or unreasonable mom. That's scary. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so as a result of that, she would always be on high alert. Mm -hmm. You know, like, here she comes. Are those footsteps happy footsteps? Are those footsteps mad footsteps? Right? She's always on high alert. Well, fast forward, you know, her toddler, who's got a dysregulated brain developmentally, who can turn on and off from happy to distraught, in a second, Mm -hmm. that unpredictable behavior in her child was putting the mom in a tailspin. Mm -hmm. And really, rather than fixing that, I really did a little work on her past Mm -hmm. and what does that remind you of and educated her a little bit about the toddler and the preschool brain and what's happening so that she could use her adult intellect and understand her what her response was mm-hmm. it's fascinating to me you know if, yes. if you can get people on board it's like it's so cool right yeah. to go oh my gosh how is this happening
1: right we can re rewire some of these things Absolutely. and help parents you can, build new circuitry right basically. for the next generation yes. it's
0: so exciting to think about doing yeah. that and you know no shade on our parents In generations past they they just didn't have the knowledge they, they mm-hmm. couldn't do a google search of how to deal with my toddler behavior right, right. You know, there's a lot of things that they didn't know mm-hmm. um, that we know now. So the, I get very excited about it. the trajectory can change. And the last thing I'll say about that is when I'm having this conversation with people, and I would encourage our listeners to do this, is to really get curious about why do I respond this way? And to ask themselves, hmm, what does this remind me of from my childhood? Mm-hmm. And then sometimes that realization is a game changer for yep. them. It's yep. exciting. It gives me chills. I have I chills right this second. I do too. Okay.
1: <laughs> Enough of so, that. So so why so why do we have chills, Edla? Okay. No. Let's talk about the um <laughs> just the the systemic, you know, things that are happening in our nervous system. Mm-hmm. So strategies, you know, we want to get into some strategies for helping parents right. regulate their emotions, but we can't do that unless we go back and do a little um education for everybody listening about what is going on in our brains here. Yeah. yeah. My business
0: partner, Elizabeth Worley, and I have done some CBT training, and CBT, CBT, as you know, stands for Cognitive Behavior Therapy, and a lot of the framework of that is that you develop these tools, right? And so, Elizabeth and I just started having a lot of conversation about the fact that something felt disconnected to us, and it may have evolved some now. I haven't done any recent um, training on that, but it's like you have this toolbox of strategies, But it's just like any tool. If you don't know when to use it, it's not very helpful, Mm -hmm. right? What she and I talk a lot about is that you've got to recognize what's going on in your body first so that you know which tool to use. Mm -hmm. So just pragmatically, let's talk about some of the tools, the strategies that people Mm -hmm. can use to regulate their emotions, and then I'll sort of bridge it into how to know which tool to use you know, when we talk about tools to calm down, there are a lot of those mindfulness tools, right? A lot, people usually know the kinds of things that calm them down. It might be deep breathing, it might be exercising, listening to music, drawing, journaling, taking a bath, talking to friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you you've kind of just through trial and error figured out the kinds of things that have calmed you down. But like any tool, if you don't, if you're not sure when to use it or you wait too long to use it, back to your example of I've had a hard day. I'm going to go for a run. That's prevention because you're you're mm-hmm. ahead of it, right? Right. But if you've just lost it, then the tools fall a little bit short. And you if, might
1: need something different.
0: Right. Or you might right. need something different, right? So once I tell parents about the tools, then I like to give them sort of a basic brain science um, information. Mm -hmm. The listeners can't see me, but I'll I'll explain this. If you put your thumb in your palm and then close your fingers over it like you're making a fist, you're creating what I call a hand brain. You can do a Google search or YouTube and look at hand brain. There's lots of videos about it. But I explained to parents that your fingers, this is your prefrontal cortex. This is the thinking part of your brain. When you're regulated, you're in this part of your brain, right? So you can problem solve, you can make decisions, you're reasonable, right? Mm -hmm. When you're in this interior part where your thumb is against your palm, that would be your limbic system. This is your emotional center, right? So what this would look like in a parent or a child, I guess even, is if you're yelling or criticizing or blaming or shaming, name calling, that kind of thing, then you're in this limbic sort of emotional state, Mm -hmm. And then finally the the base of your hand is would be like your brainstem. And this is safety, not just physical safety, but emotional safety as well. Mm-hmm. So this is when you get sort of your fight or flight mode, mm-hmm. you know, fight, flight, fool, and freeze is mm-hmm. how I remember it, right? And it's about safety. So the mindfulness tools work super well and pretty quickly if you can recognize, you know, when you're in your limbic system or when you're getting ready to go to your limbic system, right? Mm-hmm. They'll work when you're, I call it deep in your brainstem or deep in mm-hmm. your limbic system. They'll work then too, but th- it takes a little more effort mm-hmm. for, and it takes a little bit longer. So you'll often hear people say, oh, none of these strategies work for me. Well, and for kids,
1: this is when uh, kids say, don't tell me to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to breathe right now.
0: You know, and I would say if they're not breathing and they can tell you they won't breathe, you've moved them to their limbic system right. or their pre because they're right. thinking about they it. You know, they I don't want to do that. But I think it's, um, once parents can understand, and I'll tell them, I'll say, spend a couple of days just identifying people's brain states. The mm-hmm. person in the grocery store tapping their foot and sighing. Mm-hmm. They're in their limbic system. Mm-hmm. You know, the person cutting you off in traffic. They might be in their brainstem. stem. I mean, just kind of getting used to what it looks this like. This is the
1: fun game psychologists play oh, in yeah. public. <laughs> I know.
0: I have to, like, put the blinders on. Do not engage. Do not look around. Right? But then they can start to recognize it. And so when you recognize it in your body, mm-hmm. and if you recognize yourself going to your limbic system, then these strategies, they work like a charm. Mm-hmm. But it's first that body work and that sort of reflection. Yep. I get so excited talking about it.
1: <laughs> so and when we model this, we teach our kids. We Absolutely. show our kids. Absolutely. And we let them, when we come back and repair, like we right. were talking about earlier, we can say... I was overwhelmed with my emotions at right. that moment, and I'm working on being able to not raise my voice or not, you know, say things that, you know, my parents maybe said to me when right. I got upset, you know, maybe you don't go into that much detail, but <laughs> depends on the age of the kid. Right, right, right. And recognizing these things and help, just helps us feel more confident as parents sure. that you're not quote unquote bad. Right. Nobody, no, Nobody's bad here. Nope, not at Everybody's all. just having a feeling. Right. Yeah. And, that, and you know
0: how many times, I don't know if you've heard this much in your practice, but I hear this a lot. Is like, oh, no, but we weren't allowed to have a feeling growing up. <laughs> like, feelings weren't allowed. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't talk about Where them. Where did they go? I, t- I don't know. <laughs> they're like, we didn't talk about yeah. them. And, you know, and in, in my family, if you had a feeling, it was laughed at. Oh. I, and so then that sort of puts a whole nother. Dismissed it, yeah. Uh, or, or, yeah, that puts a whole nother thing. So we all have our st- stuff that we bring to
1: the table. And, well, and that's a great question to start with. Just ask yourself yeah. as a parent, what happened when you were a kid? What happened when you, when anybody had a feeling? Oh, that's a, that
0: is a good question just, to ask yourself.
1: What's your question? What's your answer to that question? And then just start getting curious. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I heard that this last week and it's reminding me of this conversation. Um, I know, many young parents might follow this psychologist named Dr. Becky. Mm-hmm. She's in, yeah. in um, New York, but Does she have a new book that just she has a new out? book yeah. that came mm-hmm. out. And, but I love how she talks about babies. She said, you know, babies, they're just, you know, no six month old has ever been like, I'm just going to be so difficult right now. I'm going to cry <laughs> right. until my parent can't sleep. You know, they're just a ball full of feelings right, and right. somewhere between baby And getting into like, you know, kind of school age and, you know, we're starting to respond Mm -hmm. to all the expectations placed on us. We start to change how we respond to our environment and we start to filter our feelings. Right, we do. And so we want to help our young kids feel the feelings, but also know the boundaries of we can't hurt people. Sure, sure. We can't call names, right? but you can feel your feelings. Sure. Because if not, we're just, you know going to be really stressed Uh, right right
0: and that's where I was like we have to be careful we can go down a rabbit hole because then it's like well what about this and what about that Mm -hmm. and then you know but you're right we I mean feelings are a part of the equation and if we just let them be part of the equation then it's fine it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be a a good or a bad Mm -hmm. thing it's just part of it just like taking care of you know eating right and you know Mm -hmm. eating well and exercising and getting enough sleep is taking care of your emotional health
1: Right. Same thing. So what if a parent is listening and they're wondering, is this something that I'm feeling that I might need help talking to yeah. a therapist about? Mm-hmm. Or is this something I should just do some more self-care strategies on? So, you know, where would you counsel parents to start with making that decision?
0: So one thing it didn't say in my bio is that I was a former middle school science teacher. Oh, we missed that detail. Well, it's not really relevant <laughs> except until about what I'm getting ready to tell you right it. now. So to answer your question, I, when I've when a parent comes to see me or if they're wondering, I'll have them collect a little data. Uh-huh. So I'll have them ask themselves a few questions and then come up with sort of a Likert scale for that, mm-hmm. a rating scale. Yeah. So I'll ask them first to ask themselves, how often am I losing it or getting overwhelmed with my children? Is it multiple times a day, once a week, once a month? Track it for a mm-hmm. little while. See, See how often you put it? put it on the calendar, put it on the data sheet. The second thing is I'll say, how intense are the upsets on a scale of like one to 10? And you rank it eight, eight, seven, ten, 10, or uh, two, three, four, whatever. Um, and then the third thing I'll have them sort of track or think about is how long do my upsets last? Is it just a couple of minutes, five minutes, 45 minutes, half a day? Mm-hmm. And then finally to ask themselves, are my strategies that I'm using to calm down, are they working consistently, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll have them sort of encourage them to kind of collect this data and see for a little bit. And then if the frequency is pretty often, if the intensity is pretty high, um, if if the duration is pretty long and the strategies are inconsistent, then they might benefit from getting some support from someone else you know generally by the time adults get to me they've exhausted their attempts to manage their anger anxiety Mm -hmm. or whatever they're working on and they're ready to do some work and and you know another thing that's super common at least for me in my practice is parents will bring their kid to see me or they'll come in for parent work and then it's not too many sessions in with the kid I'm I'll have a conversation with the parents, which I do is just part of my clients, the Mm -hmm. way that I work. And it's not unusual for the parent to then come see me as an adult client. Right. Right. And it's miraculous. I'm thinking of one um, client not too long ago. I had seen her daughter off and on for a couple of years, actually. And and I got pretty close with the mom and I got to the point I was like, you know, I'm kind of feeling like maybe you should come in and see me and let's stop seeing her. I said, I feel like you could really do some work Mm -hmm. and it may have a ripple effect. Mm -hmm. And I've been working with her about the mother, about six months as an Mm -hmm. adult on her Mm -hmm. past stuff, Mm -hmm. the ripple effect that it is having on her children and her relationship with her husband and her family. It's pretty miraculous. So of course I'm all about it.
1: Right. I'm like, But I don't know about you, but I know lots of parents feel, you know, like something's their fault or they have an, you know, immediate defensive feeling that rises when a professional says, you know, let's talk about your past. So, I mean, what would you want parents to know that are listening if a professional says that, you know, we think this could be helpful to talk about how you were raised?
0: I think one of the things I would say is I would share a little bit of personal information. Mm -hmm. I know they, you know, when we're in school, they tell us don't self-disclose, don't give a lot of personal information. And I don't, I understand that for me, the way that I work as a therapist is like, look, I've been there. Mm -hmm. I raised two boys and I didn't always do it right, you know, and I so want to change the trajectory from the way that I was raised. And I think I would also want to say, Let's look at this as, like, you need a tutor. You Mm -hmm. know, if you are having trouble in school, you just get a math tutor. Mm -hmm. This is just what this is. You're just going to a tutor, if that helps you think about it in such a way that Mm -hmm. you can be more successful. Right. I don't know. Does that?
1: Right. Yeah. And the other thing I think of, too, is, you know, yes, there are developmental skills that, you know, kids work on and anxieties Mm -hmm. that kids work on, but they don't live in a vacuum. No. Right? Mm -hmm. And so— it is always to me at least professionally a family approach if you're working right. with children
0: because oh, absolutely it's is.
1: you're i mean you're treating the relationship not just the child so mm-hmm. i think anyone listening I would want parents to know that it's it's kind of par for the course be ready to to share your feelings about things and your frustrations and and know that you're getting an objective point of view that could be helpful right. um, and it's not just about getting your child to change something. That's the outcome we hope for. Sure. But um, it can be a much more complex and, and deeper conversation.
0: And I think I, I agree with that. And I think also looking at how lucky parents are today. yeah, They have a support system. It's OK to talk about mental health, yes. right? It's OK to ask for help, you know, and I don't think that historically that's always been I'm an okay thing. You just didn't tell your neighbors. You just didn't talk about it. You just swept it under the carpet, and you acted like you were supposed to, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think there's been a lot of damage because of that. So I think people raising children now have a real advantage over, you know, like my parents' generation for sure. And I'm older than 30. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so...
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so helpful. I hope parents find this helpful and to have a a mindset shift in how they think Mm -hmm. about the impact and the ripple effects of their own mental wellness. And anything else you want to share with us? No, I thank you so much for having me.
0: This was great. It was fun. All right,
1: everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Raising Young Children in Wake County. Brought to you by the Project Enlightenment Foundation, which you can find at projectenlightenmentfoundation.org. We would love for you to subscribe to this show and share it with your friends and fellow parents. We're all in this together, and we hope we can make a difference in the lives of parents and children. Thanks to K&L Gates, a global law firm with offices in Raleigh and RTP, for their generous contribution to make this podcast happen. Thank you to our sponsors, the Empire Gives Back Foundation and Empire Eats, which includes the Downtown Raleigh restaurant, City, Gravy, Raleigh Times, Mecca, and the Pitt Authentic Barbecue, bringing great food to the community as well as supporting local causes, especially those that touch the lives of children. Thanks to BHDP, an award-winning international architectural firm, which is recognized for intelligent, innovative, and inspiring design solutions in architecture, planning, and interior design. This podcast is edited and produced by EarFluence. I'm Dr. Emily King, and we'll see you again soon on Raising Young Children in Way County.